Welcome to the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. We're getting ready to have an old-fashioned line-on-line, precept-on-precept study of God's Word to search out those deeper truths and gain a greater understanding of the Bible. We would love for you to join us today as we dig in and learn what it is God would truly have us to know from His letter that He wrote to us. All right, God bless you and welcome into this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study. We're going to do a special topic today, a little special study. We're going to cover the seven seals and the seven trumps. Now, being that this covers a few chapters, we're probably going to break it into two different studies. But for today, we're going to get into the seals, which will be taken, for most part, will be in Revelation chapter 6. But in that, we're going to be flopping back and forth between Revelation 6 and Matthew 24. So if you want to go ahead and get your place held there. We're going to be going between the two of them quite a bit. Now, the reason for that is because Christ was teaching the disciples in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21, those things that would come to pass before his return. And this is also what's going on in Revelation, these seals that we need to know. You see, it's it's God's seals that if they're sealed in your mind, then you can't be deceived by that great deception that's on its way. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and get right on into it. We're going to ask for that clarity and understanding in Jesus' name. Revelation chapter 6, verse 1. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. Now this beast here is not like a a terrible creature or anything like that. In the Greek, it's at zoon, and it means a living creature. So basically what happened is these beasts guard the throne, these living creatures. You have the Zoon and the Zoi, and they guard the throne of God. The reason why they are called living creatures is because in the world that was, when Satan was a cherubim that covered, well, if you look at the, the picture or a picture of the Ark of the Covenant, the design, there were two cherubims that were covering that were, or guarding that throne. Satan was obviously one because it's it is told that in Ezekiel chapter 28. And I believe Michael was the other because Michael is the one that is holding Satan in chains right now. So with that being said, being that they had free will at the time, God needed to make sure during this time that whatever was guarding the throne wouldn't rebel again. So he created these Zoon that had basically they are just robots that protect. All they know is protect. They're not, they don't have free will to say, well, I don't know if I want to do this or maybe I want to sit on the throne. All they know is keep folks from messing with the throne of God. All right, so uh, verse 2. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and he w- and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. That sounds great. A white horse, we all know Christ is coming back on a white horse, but there's something about this one that you need to know. That bow, and he that sat on him had a bow, in the Greek, this is toxon, and this means a fake imitation, uh, a fake bow. And that bow is supposed to be that Shekinah glory, that prism of light that goes with God wherever he's at or, or that comes with Christ, that bow that is on Christ's head. But this is a fake one. So this person that's showing up on this white horse is imitating Christ. Well, who imitates Christ? Satan. So the number one seal, the thing about seals, are they're not in chronological order. They're in order of importance. And so this first seal, being the most important, 
is God saying, hey, Antichrist is coming first. Satan's coming pretending to be me. And if you turn back to Matthew chapter 24, verse 4, Christ said, And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And that's what it is here. I mean, it is Antichrist trying to deceive the world. Verse 3, And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given unto him that set thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And then there, and there was given unto him a great sword. Now, if you flip back to Matthew chapter 24, verse 6, Christ is telling the disciples here, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So even though there are many, many wars in the world, and if you look around the world today, most of the wars are religious wars. A majority of the, uh, of the wars are fought over the differences of faith and, and different religions. But those things must come to pass, but the end's not yet. Well, why would the end be not yet? If you go to Daniel chapter 8, <clears throat> along about verse 24, it says that the Antichrist is going to come in peacefully and prosperously, and no one's going to make war with him. Well, if he brings peace to the world because people believe that he is this Messiah, although he is Antichrist, he's, he's not the Messiah, just pretending to be, then who would want to fight him? Well, naturally, if they all believed that he was the Christ, no one would want to fight him, and that's where the peace comes in. Let's see, back in Revelation, where were we here? And verse 5, And when, when he had opened the third seal... I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. Now, the thing about these balances is they're not fair. They're not even, okay? Verse 6, And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. Now, the thing about this is penny is a denarius. And what that is is a day's wage. So, for a measure of wheat for a penny, basically you're working all day for a loaf of bread. So this is showing that there's a famine in the land, <clears throat> that there's an, an economic famine, basically. Uh, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Well, now what's the oil and the wine? The oil is, you use the, the oil to anoint. So they can't touch those who are anointed. Well, what are you anointed with? The seals of God. And the wine is that, that blood of Christ that is given in the, at the communion table. So if you have that anointing of God's Spirit and you are taking on that wine, if you are taking on the communion with Christ, well, then you're not harmed by this because you're sealed and are not being any type of deceived by what's going on. Verse 7. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard a voice from the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death, and hell followed with him. And power was given unto him, unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with beast of the earth. 
Now, right after famine usually comes pestilence. And if you go back to Matthew 24, verse 7, both of these third and fourth seals are covered in that one verse. And it said, For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. If you look around the world today, there are lots of earthquakes in diverse places. There are pestilences and famines. And as it says in Amos chapter 8, verse 11, The famine of the end times will not be for thirst of water or for hunger for bread, but it will be for the true word of God. If you look in the world today, that famine is on very hard. The true word of God is not being taught. It's the word of the tickling of the ears. Let's make people feel good so that they'll come up and and we can hold a great congregation because everybody feels just so happy and we don't need to talk about anything that's really going to happen. Let's just make everybody feel good and have put on a good show for a little bit. Well, that's not the true word of God. That causes the famine for the word of God. Verse 9, back in Revelation chapter 6, verse 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And the white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. Okay. So these are, through the years, naturally, there have been many martyrs for the testimony of Christ. And now as we get into, we're going to go back to Matthew 24 again, chapter 24, and we're going to pick it up in verse 8. And as we move into this time when the Antichrist is coming back, there are tribulations and there will be deliverings up. So those who stand for Christ, who stand against the Antichrist, will be delivered up. And for many, that is the destiny that we are chosen for, that they are chosen for, is to be delivered up before Satan, to give this testimony, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak through them and to stand for Christ. And at one spot, we'll get to it maybe in the next uh, study, where Christ says, or God tells Satan, you cannot hurt mine anointed. Now, if you're standing for God's true word and you are standing against the Antichrist, you're one of God's anointed. So physically, he cannot kill you. Many of this, the deaths that you hear or that you read of in Revelation are spiritual deaths. Now, why would that be? If you are alive in Christ and you begin to worship the Antichrist, at that point you become spiritually dead, and it goes back to the dry bones of Ezekiel. The only thing that can revive that death is the Word of God. So Matthew 20, chapter 24, verse 8. And these are the beginnings of sorrows. Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted, and they shall kill you. Now, to be delivered up, if Antichrist has come in peacefully, first of all, all the Hollywood stuff that you see, all these movies and all this, he's going to come in with atomic bombs and guillotines and, and microchips and all this other stuff. No one is foolish enough to fall for that. If they fell for... Oh, well, that must be Christ because he said he's Christ or he's going to cut off your head. You just, I just don't see the world falling for that. 
Now, if he came in looking like Christ, speaking like Christ, and as it would say in Revelation that he has the, uh, the horns of a lamb, but the voice of a dragon. He looks like the lamb slain, but he's not doing anything but telling lies. He's sitting, he's the abomination of desolation that's sitting where he ought not, claiming to be God, showing himself that he is God. So he is the greatest deceiver and deception that we'll ever see. You've got to be sharp. So this, and they shall kill you. This is spiritually, if, if when somebody is to show up, and if they are deceived into thinking that he is Christ, Immediately they are spiritually slain. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Well, why would that be? If everybody thinks he's Christ and you're saying he's not, just think about, you know, if you go out into a place right now, well, we'll, we'll move on. Verse 10. And then shall many be offended, or they shall stumble, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. It's because some are going, most are going to believe he is Christ, and there are going to be those very few that don't fall for this deception. Verse 11, And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. This iniquity is lawlessness. So because compassion and because just caring about somebody is going to be is going away, and you can look around the world right now. Love is getting less and less. People are so self-centered nowadays that, I mean, just, just, look, just turn on the news. It's ridiculous. Verse 13, But he that shall endure unto the end, that same shall be saved. Now how, did, as far as being that they shall kill you, then why would it be your fault physically if they killed you but then you should be you should have to endure to the end. That basically firms up that it's a spiritual death. Those of those of you who do not fall to the temptation of Antichrist shall be saved. Verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. All right, now we're going to move back over to Revelation again. Revelation verse 12. Uh, chapter 6, verse 12. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal. And lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree cast her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. All right, so now let's stop there just for a second. Let's go back to this verse 12. Okay, first of all, the sixth seal. That's important. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. Now many would say, oh, well, that's the coming of Christ. Well, Matthew 24 and Mark 13 both say that the moon will not show her light. So then why would it say here that it became as blood? Because this is the imitation. This is the, the coming of the Antichrist. And the stars fell under the earth, even as a fig cast her untimely figs. These untimely figs are those who get cast out of heaven with Satan and come to the earth, basically his minions, to help and to deceive those who are in the earth to follow him and basically 
commit the apostasy, to become Satan worshipers. Verse 14, And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks and the mountains, and said to the rocks, Fall on us, and hide from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, for the wrath of the Lamb, or from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, who shall be able to stand? Now, why would they be so scared right now? Because Christ is, at this point, they fell for this first one, this one that came with this great appearance, this fake bow, and he came at the sixth seal, and it just showed, oh, man, he just looked like Christ. He came in peacefully and prosperously, and everybody just loved him, and now all of a sudden, Christ is coming back, the true Christ. And this whole world, basically, has turned over and has worshipped Satan and are now Satan worshipers, and Christ is showing back up. I'd want to hide too. Now, that was the sixth seal. If you move over to, or let's go back to Matthew chapter 24. We'll cover the sixth seal right quick. Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. So, this abomination of desolation is mentioned in Daniel chapter 12, verse 11. And it is when Satan sets himself up as the Antichrist, or as Christ, claiming to be God. Then let the mountains which be in Judea, or them that let them be which be in Judea, flee into the mountains. You want to get away. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of the house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. So this kind of goes back into the, the two in the field. You want to stay in the field sowing the word, sowing the seed. You don't want to leave just one step too early, one day too soon, and go back and follow the Antichrist. Keep on, keep your head down, keep plowing, keep doing the good work. Verse 19, And woe unto them that are with child and that give suck in those days. Now, what would this, why would, if, if it's a blessing to have children, why would Christ say, woe to them who are with child, if this, is, if this is a surprise as to when he's coming back, if no man can know the day or the hour? It's because this is symbolism. Christ is our husband, and he's been gone for 2,000 years. And if, you, if he comes back and you're with child, that means spiritually, you have been impregnated by the doctrine of Antichrist, by the doctrine of Satan. So you're impregnated by that doctrine. And if you're given suck, that don't mean that you're just impregnated. That means that you're nourishing that child, that false doctrine, and that you are trying to grow it up and make it to be able to, to stand on its own feet, to help it along. You're doing the work. Verse 20. But pray that you flight be not in winter, neither on the Sabbath day. Naturally, because you can't travel that far. On the, in the winter, it's harsh. And then on the Sabbath day, it is a shorter day than the rest of the week. Verse 21. For then shall the great tribulation, such as not since the beginning of the world to this time, no nor ever shall be. 
right there, many people will say that that's when Satan is basically just cut loose. Well, that's not. The tribulation of Satan has already been. This is the tribulation, the, the wrath of the Lamb, that is showing back up to take control back over the world and to set everything right, to put wrong back to being wrong and right being back to right. Verse 22, And except those days be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, there is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall de deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even to the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For whosoever the, for wheresoever the carcasses are gathered, there the vultures, or eagles, be gathered together. So what that's saying is, you don't have to look for Christ when he comes back. And as far as the carcasses go, if you go to Zechariah chapter 14, it describes that at that seventh trump, these flesh bodies will melt away like wax. And we will instantly, just as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 15, instantly be in our spiritual bodies. At that point, then you know the true Christ is there. But if, a, if someone shows up claiming to be Christ and you are in a flesh body still, basically if you're still having to take medicine or if you can pinch yourself and it hurts, it's not the true Christ because we will not be in a flesh body when he is here. All right, so going back, we're going to go to Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. This is the seventh seal. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of a half an hour. Now, what is this silence in heaven? That seventh seal is when, in that, that half an hour, is when Satan is cast out of heaven. And then at that point, after he has his little short time on earth, Christ returns. And back in Matthew chapter 24, I know we're doing a lot of flopping back and forth, but it really gives a better, a more clear understanding. Matthew 24, chapter 29, verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light. Shall not give her light. It don't turn to blood. It shall not give her light. And the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. They don't say anything about untimely figs either. They're not jumping the gun. This is the time whenever that God has ordained that these things should come to pass. Not one seal early or one trump early. Verse 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And... First of all, why would they mourn at his coming? Naturally, if we were being persecuted to death, to true physical death, those that were left and being tortured and being hanged and just excruciating physical pain, I would think that we'd be very happy to see the coming of Christ. Unless it wasn't physical. Unless it was spiritual. And the world 
fell to that, that spiritual death. And they called upon the Antichrist and worshiped him. Well, then they would have a, a reason to mourn at the coming of, of the true Christ. Verse 31. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, that seventh trump. And they shall gather, to, they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of, the, of heaven to the other. So we see, the, although the seals are not in order, the trumps will be. But we see the, the importance. God in that first seal wants you to know that there is one coming that's going to look just like Christ, what we think Christ is going to look like. He's not some crazy-looking monster with horns on his head and fangs and with a pitchfork and a tail and hooves. As it says in Ezekiel chapter 28, he was made the full package of beauty and wisdom. He was perfect in beauty and wisdom. So this whole, the mainstream, this is what the end times are going to look like and all these big movie productions and all this stuff, none of that is true. All that is the beginning of the deception. And then for some to say, you don't need to know the book of Revelation because... You know, you, you're not going to be here when it happens. Well, if you're alive, you are. And it's probably best you know it. Because this is the letter that God wrote to you to learn, to study. And as a warning, it's kind of like if you were to get, let's say, uh, uh, an implement that you were going to use on a tractor, okay? And it came with all kind of warnings, don't hook this up here or it'll tear your tractor up or don't put your hand there or it'll, it'll maul your hand or don't put it too deep or, you know, because it'll tear up all kind of stuff. And you just look at it and go, eh, and throw that away. It's, ah, it's all right, I'm going to hook it up. I probably won't be here whenever I'm using it. But that don't make any sense. And that's the same way that this book of Revelation is. That's the same way this word of God is. In Mark Chapter 13, verse 23, Christ said, Behold, I have foretold you all things. This book of Revelation has been mentioned more through the Word of God than just the Revelation to John. Matthew 24, Christ gives us the same events that happen in chapters 6, 7, and 8 of Revelation. And the same with my, uh, Mark 13 and Luke 21. And then you can go all the way back into the Old Testament. There's more written about the millennium in Ezekiel than there is the, the whole New Testament. Paul speaks of the, the abomination of desolation in 2 Thessalonians chapter 7, that, none should, that, that Christ is not going to return except for after that. Matter of fact, let's turn over. I want to go over there right quick. 2 Thessalonians. Since how we're talking about it. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. This is something that everybody... This is why it is important that you study the entire Word of God, not just a few verses here and a few verses there, and then, oh, we don't even need to look at Revelation because it kind of sounds scary. All right, so Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, what he's saying here is, now look, I want you to pay attention to this. This is what's going to happen when Christ returns. That you be not soon shaken in mind 
or troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. So what he's saying is, don't let somebody mess with your mind and make you believe something that's not true. Even our letter, even nor by letter from us, he's talking about 1 Thessalonians. Now, many people use 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 to say, well, you see right there, we're all going to pull the ripcord and pop out of here before Antichrist comes. That's not what Paul's saying, and that's not what he was talking about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He was talking about what happens after we pass away, and where are those who have already passed away. Now, he's lining them right on back out right here. Verse 3, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. A falling away? That would be all those Christians who have listened to, to the... Well, let's just say it. That have fallen for that rapture. This, this whole rapture theory that's out there that was brought about in 1830 by a sick woman who was, who was bedridden in Scotland, Margaret MacDonald, and had this great revelation. She said it started off very dark and cold and demonic, but then by the end of it, it just felt so warm and Christ-like. You know, in the Corinthians, I believe it's 2 Corinthians, Paul says, you know, no, no, this is no great thing because Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. He can do that. He's that deceivious. Where were we? Verse 3, Fallen away first, and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now, the son of perdition, Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 18, names Satan. He's the only one named in the word of God that will perish. He will be turned to ashes from within. Many people say that this is uh, Judas. is not. Judas repented, and we are not to judge. So, if you say real quick, well, J Judas is in hell. He repented, and that's God's decision. That's totally up to God to be forgiven or to, to, to give forgiveness and to judge as to where someone would go. All right, so verse 4, who opposeth and exalteth himself upon all that is called God or that is worship, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. What's this saying? Nobody's leaving here unless it's through a natural death before Christ comes. Christ isn't coming at the fifth trump or the fifth and a half or just before Satan comes. He's not popping anybody out of here. Satan is coming as Antichrist, and it's our duty to stand before him and to stand against him for the word of God. Now, we'll continue this. We'll get into the seventh trumps in the, in the next lecture and finish up this two-part study. Now, one thing I want to say before I go is I really appreciate everybody that listens into this. It is a great blessing to be able to uh, broadcast this teaching, and it is very humbling, and it is certainly not something that I take lightly. So I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for allowing me to come into your, your home or your car or wherever it is that you listen to this. And God bless you, and have a great day. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, you can go to our website at www.humansundergrace.com and under the Contact Us page, submit your question. Also, you can write to us at Humans Under Grace, 
P.O. Box 1467, Tatum, Texas 75691. Thank you and God bless you.